0: We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24.
1: From The Cut and Gimlet Media, this is The Cut on Tuesdays. I'm Stella Bugby, Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. right I eat a sweet potato every morning.
2: Really? Is mm-hmm. that the secret to your success?
1: Should I be like, <laughs> so I get it done? <laughs> how do you a sweet potato? It's like the shortest I just, podcast I just, like, ever. Eat it like you steam it? No, I bake them and then I just eat them like. Yes, I'm here today talking sweet potatoes with Instagram's queen of fashion, Eva Chen, as part of our series "How I Get It Done." Oh yeah. Well, there's different it's kinds. delicious. There's the purple kind. I like the purple kind. And then the Okinawan purple kind.
2: Oh boy. I'm going deep.
1: Wow. Yeah. This is like the different I, kinds I, I of like Hermes leather.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, like exactly. you are to sweet potato <laughs> varieties, as some fashion people are to like different types denim of like Togo washes. leather or like denim or denim <laughs> yeah. washes. Exactly. Sneaker head,
1: but I'm a I'm a sweet, sweet potato. potato head. This is how I get it done. The Cuts series about ambitious women and the way they live. How they deal with their inboxes, people's feelings, their grocery shopping, their morning routines. What do they know that we don't? What do they do that we can steal? It's part advice column, part love letter, part voyeurism. And in Eva's case, it's also a window into the future of fashion. When people who don't work in the industry imagine the fashion world, they're usually picturing something like the Devil Wears Prada a distant office high above Manhattan, where a handful of aloof, haughty people sit around deciding what style is. And sometimes, it still is like that. But fortunately, we have alternatives now. Today, if you're a kid who's interested in clothes, you might be reading fashion magazines, but you're definitely looking at Instagram. And Eva is someone who saw that change coming before just about anyone else. She got her start working in magazines, As a young editor, she worked for Bazaar and Teen Vogue and eventually became the editor-in-chief of Lucky. And then, five years ago, she made the leap to social media. She took a job overseeing fashion on Instagram, which was quickly becoming the place where money and taste were made. Today, she's got 1.2 million people following every outfit she posts, every beauty product she uses, every meal she makes her kids. She spends her days explaining fashion to tech people and tech to fashion people. Somehow she's also found time to write three books for kids. The latest is called Juno Valentine and the Fantastic Fashion Adventure. And Eva told me that when she looks back on what she was like growing up, children's book author is a job that makes way more sense to her than influencer. Books were like my world growing up. I was super
2: shy. I was really awkward, super nerdy. Um, I went to a very intellectually, I guess, intense all-girls school in New York. And a hot, cool Friday night for us was to go to like Barnes & Noble and Union Square and like read magazines that we couldn't afford to buy because they were international and like $14. Oh my God. Um, And just kind of like sit on the, in retrospect, very dirty carpet. And the new germaphobe in me like freaks out about that. But we'd sit on the carpet of the Barnes & Noble and Union Square and just read. And my favorite class at school was always this... um, English literature class with this um, teacher named Mrs. Susan Sagor, who was actually in retrospect like super chic, would sit at like <laughs> the edge of like the desk at school with like a sling back dangling off and she always wore these like big full skirts and cardigans, which is like very Prada if you think about it. Um, and I didn't really listen to the cl- clues in my life growing up that kind of led me to, I guess, where I am now. And I think part of me shares a lot because I, if I can help other people figure out some advice that might help them along their path, like I just feel kind of obligated to do that.
1: Well, you say you didn't listen to the, to the clues, but you ended up here somehow.
2: Um, I mean, I ended up here, but it definitely, I mean, I was pre-med in college for three years as a first generation American, the immigrant mentality at the time. And I think, you know, it's evolving. But the immigrant mentality at the time was to really push kids towards really stable careers, which which is like engineering, law, medicine. I mean, they're perceived as stable, right? I went to Johns Hopkins, which is like known for its medical school. And I was working so hard, not sleeping very much and still getting like pretty mediocre grades. But then to fulfill requirements, I was taking like classes in Baldwin or creative writing. They weren't easy classes, but I, I did pretty well in them naturally. And those were like some of the clues, right? Like in retrospect, now when I um, talk to students and they're like, oh, I feel like I'm doing this because I have to to make my parents happy. And I'm like, well, what classes do you take that you would do more of without telling your parents? Like what's your like secret passion?
1: So you have a very big job. And a big part of your job at Instagram is to chronicle your own life. Um, At least it seems from the outside that, I don't know if you're contractually obligated to do that, but it certainly seems to take up a bunch of your time.
2: You know what's funny? People always ask me if I am required to post on Instagram as working on Instagram, and I'm like totally not even before i worked at instagram i like shared a lot about my life and even when i was like a magazine editor when i was at lucky and when i was at l and when i was at teen vogue i always wrote a lot in the first person and it was always kind of it's always kind of been a thing that i've done and like slightly overshared my life and so i can do instagram i don't want to say like I breathe, but I can blink my eyes and, like, have, like, 10 ideas for stories. Um, I would say, like, that's the least time-consuming aspect of my life and job, but
1: I just like doing it. So how does that track with your previously shy persona as a child?
2: Um, I don't know. I feel like—I I would say, I guess, when I started working in magazines, people are always asking you questions, like, and not people from the industry, like your, your aunt's cousin at, like, your— best friend from growing up's wedding. You could be a beauty editor and you could be at an airport in Minneapolis or you could be at a beauty event for, like, La Mer. And whatever it is, like, someone will always want to know, like, what's your favorite eye cream? What shampoo are you using? What's the best, like, acupuncturist in Paris? I have one, by the way. Like, you know... (laughs) So um, I think beauty definitely brought that out in me, like the sharing aspect. And also you do these like meetings, these like desk sides, as they're called, with dermatologists for like 45 minutes. And the dermatologist literally tells you like all these secrets that most people pay like $1,800
1: to learn. What's a secret a dermatologist has told you that you would be able to pass on to our listeners?
2: I mean, there are so many skin secrets that, I don't even know. I feel like it's like that vault in Indiana Jones, <laughs> and I have that vault. Um, one of the things I learned recently is like, I don't remember what it's called, but like that massage that people do where they put their hands in your mouth. I've and done that. Like, it, cha- it, it really does it contour. It hurts like
1: crazy. It hurts
2: like a mother, but it really does temporarily change, like, I feel like the shape of your face a bit because it's like, Contouring from So let's within.
1: explain that for someone who hasn't had it. When I had it done, uh, this British torturer put her fingers so deep up in my gums yeah. and mouth that it felt like the fascial tissue on my face was being torn. But that's from my literally skin. what they do.
2: Yeah. So they basically like put some rubber gloves on, they put their hands deep into your mouth, almost where your cheekbone meets your eye socket, and they run their fingers and pull like the muscle and pull it in different directions. But I have to say that like has really, really, I, I mean, I started doing that recently and like I have a love-hate relationship with it.
1: All the celebrities do that before the Oscars. That exactly. Was yeah,
2: yeah, they do. They do. They really do. And the other thing is like the <laughs> most important skincare um, ingredient that is the least sexy one is retinol. People want to talk about, I mean, right now CBD is trending in skincare, but like Retinol, it's been around forever. It, it is, works. People say it's like the fountain of youth. And so you don't but have to use the most expensive one.
1: I use retinol and my entire face peels off. And I've never— it's But do like you one moisturize things, after? Always, yes. And then it's one of those things where people say, give it three weeks, and it, you'll start to see the difference. And by three weeks, I literally look like Are you used- the Sahara Desert. Like, I look like a piece of beef jerky. Are I you cannot using too do much?
2: It. no. Your skin looks good, though, so Nothing. whatever you're doing is I working. I can't use retinol. What do you
1: use? Nothing. I don't use retinol.
2: I will say, like, most dermatologists will kind of, like, even when they're endorsing, like, a face cleanser, will then be like, you don't really need to, like, spend money on cleanser. Don't <laughs> yeah. buy, like, the $600, like, cleanser. It's not going to make a difference. You wash it off. Um, but but the fancy creams do make a difference, Fancy creams do make a difference. Oh, the other thing is, like, when you're flying, this is, like, the beauty rule I— I'm crazy religious about. I don't fly with makeup on, and like you have to clean your airplane. Yeah, seat. so t-
1: I've watched you do this, and it causes me great anxiety. To really? Watch you- yes.
2: Ha- like you know what would cause you even more anxiety? Well, here's you, what causes if- me the
1: anxiety: I watch you wipe down your seat with Clorox wipes. Yeah, but Clorox wipes bleach your clothing.
2: Right, but I am literally wearing sweatpants, and so like, you
1: don't worry about like sitting in a Clorox wipe.
2: I would rather sit in a Clorox wipe than someone's fecal matter. (laughs) I said that. I went there. Is that what you're worried about? Yeah. And someone's, like, skin bacteria or, like, some sort of, like, staph infection— Or like someone sneezed. Do you want to sit on someone's sneeze? And think about, you're sleeping. You're like, "Mm, I'm so tired. I'm going to put the headrest. I kind of like do that kind of like headrest. You know how it like kind of bends. And then your cheek. Do you think they like clean that? No. Yeah, correct. So recently, um, who was it? Stacy from Alice and Olivia. She got me a germ wand. And it's literally like this like...
1: Is it real? Is it a Harry Potter I don't know know if it's real, but it's like, it has like
2: UV disinfecting light, supposedly. And she said that her husband travels with it, he's religious about it, he doesn't get sick, and so I'm like, I have to get batteries for it, but basically I'm going to start flying with that. Does it vibrate? Does it vibrate?
0: (laughs) Hmm.
1: Coming up, Eva and I compare our knowledge of teen slang... That's
0: after the break. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now edit also known as The Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24.
2: This week on The Gray Area, Professor Diana Posuka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe? What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say, yeah, aliens are real? Is it a spacecraft landing on the White House lawn?
1: Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House. And that's one of those cases that is still weird.
2: (laughs) That's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back. This week, Eva Chen is telling us how she gets it done. Today, Eva oversees fashion for Instagram, but when she was growing up, her parents wanted her to have a stable traditional job, something like doctor or lawyer. It took her a while to realize that her interests were pulling her in a different direction. Finally, though, she wound up with an internship at a fashion magazine interns weren't really paid. They were paid in like school credit or
2: they were like someone's nephew or niece. That's right? why I didn't take an internship at a magazine. But my Harper's Bazaar internship paid like $300 a week. which <laughs> I don't know if that's a lot or a little, but when you're like 20, that's like a lot. Um, and none of the other internships paid. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to take like As the kids say nowadays, like, I'm going to get that bread. Do you know that expression? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. I, like, just learned it, and I really love it. I also learned the expression, that's fire, Mm. which means, like, that's
1: cool. You didn't know that one? I, like, just didn't know how to use it. And You're going like, to love having teenagers. Can I just tell you, I love having teenagers. It's so much fun because you learn the craziest like. And then do you embarrass them by saying
2: the things back to them? Because I do that now with, like, my help desk. Like, all the cool guys at my help, the help desk at, like, Instagram say things like, oh, that's fire. And I'm
1: like, that's fire. And then they, like, literally, like, run away from me. Actually, they'll say something, and then I'll go take it over to the cut, and I'll be like, have you all heard this slang? What is the other Give one Give me an said? example of a slang that you learned that I can integrate um, into my vocabulary. Smells loud.
2: Smells loud? Smells
1: loud. Is that good or bad? That's smoking weed. In what? Pu- in public. <laughs> if you walk by somebody smoking weed in public, that smells loud. Whoa. That was my most recent. I see like if you ask me piece of slang that I picked up and I was like I went immediately into the cut chat room like does anybody know what smells loud means? And did they? <laughs> no. <laughs> so then I was wow. like I know some slang from the That's teens. That's so
2: cool. Yeah, I love having teens. I don't know that I'm ever going to use that in a I don't know when I would use that, but um it smells loud Smell. You know where it doesn't smell
1: loud in this, uh, in this recording studio. Room. Yeah, no, not so loud. There, it smells quiet in here. Um, so I think of you as a pretty ambitious person. Would you agree with that?
2: Um, I don't know. Ambitious is such a loaded word. I do feel like sometimes people feel weird saying about saying they're ambitious because it comes with like not
1: a, on the cut. <laughs> okay, good. Definitely not on the cut yeah.
2: podcast. Yeah, I I, yeah. I would say it's more of like personal goals. I'm ambitious, but I'm also kind of like gotten way more chill, even though it might not seem that way.
1: what um would you say is something you still want to do you know you' you're you've done a lot of things hmm. what's a goal you'd still like to do
2: well oh I don't know. That's really hard to say because a lot of the things that i'm i been like, I've always wanted to do, I'm doing. So like literally writing children's books is something that my whole life I've wanted to do. From the time I read Babysitter's Club and wrote an embarrassing designer imitation Babysitter's Club called the Camp Counselors Committee, (laughs) like really, really bad when I was like maybe eight years old. Um, And actually the publisher of my book, my books now, is the publisher of the Babysitter's Club. Really? Yeah. So her name is Jean Fywall. And if you read interviews with Anne Martin, the author of the Babysitter's Club, she's always talking about Jean. And that like really sealed the deal for me when she was like, (laughs) when I was like, Babysitter's Club, she was like, oh, yeah, I like did that. And I literally had that reaction of staggering backwards 10 steps. And then I told my agent, I was like, we have to go with her. We (laughs) We need to work with Jean. right now this sounds really like kind of boring but my goal is to see my kids grow up and like spend time with them my parent friends are always like they're not going to want you soon <laughs> they're not going to care about you soon in the way they like need you right now and then i get like teary eyed and like, emotional and like i'm just trying to soak up my kids that's my goal i think they need you i'm like about way. to cry right you know,
1: now i you know i will say i would often say that to people when my children were younger like oh you know, there's going to come a day where they don't care where I am, but you know what? Yeah. They they need me more yeah. now. I cry very easily by the way. If <laughs> I'm freaking you out that I I make crying. people cry on this
2: show. All I literally cry <laughs> all the <laughs> time. People are always like, "We had no I was I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, "I had no idea you were such a crier. You don't seem that way at all." And I'm like, "I cry literally." It could be an ad for tampons and I'll start crying. I'll be like, oh my God, I can relate so much to that. Um, yeah, so my goal right now, which sounds like really not goalie, but it's true. Like I try to drop Ren and Tao off to school as much as possible because I know that's like super fleeting. I'm trying to make the right choices for them um, and also like set them up to be happy kids. Um, Do you rely on your own parents a lot? My parents definitely are a huge part of my life and then my kids' lives. And I grew up with such strong memories of my grandmother. I mean, she's, she has Alzheimer's now, so she's not like, like I feel like she's physically with us, but not really, you know, with us. But I still like, I have such strong memories. Like I see, I smell Noxzema and I think of my grandmother who has like beautiful, amazing skin, but she like always used Noxzema. Those kind of little memories making like, um, there's something in Chinese culture called manto, which is basically like our version of, I don't know, a scone or a bun. But like I, I remember making manto with my like grandmother um, in our apartment. And I just feel like that's the richest gift that I can give my kids is like memories like that, because that's really how family lives on, right? I'm gonna start crying again.
1: Yeah. Go for it. Jet lag. Cry. Hunger. <laughs> thirst. How does your husband deal with having such a public wife? You know, we we often talk on the show about um partners and the roles that they play and how they help us get things done and how they help enable our success. And I've never met your husband, but I feel like I know him pretty well from your Instagram. <laughs> Although, of course, I know nothing. Uh, how, but I, you know, I see him play this this role in your it's pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> how role. does he feel about he, you y- know your change that you've gone through in the last five years?
2: We've been together for like twenty years, like literally, or maybe nineteen years since we were like twenty. We met when I was studying abroad in England. He's English. He was, he was a student at Oxford, and I was studying abroad. And I don't know. So like, we've really like grown up together, which I think is like super rare, actually, especially here. Um, in New York. You have, you know I met that? my husband when I was in college. Yes, okay. <laughs> but um, I'm not normal. There we go. Yeah, see, same <laughs> thing. And so, like, don't you feel like you got, you guys have, like, grown up together and, like, evolved together and
1: changed together? Sure, but I think that the transformation that you have, in particular, gone through is pretty extraordinary. It's not the... It's like going from being relatively dynamic person with, I think, probably all the same attributes that you now have, but to being... Like a famous version of that, a very public version. I mean, you don't want to say famous, but like you have um, over a million followers on Instagram. It's like a really cringy word. Okay. Don't you think famous is a cringy word? Because I don't think so. I don't think so. It's like ambition for me.
2: He's not that public, though. I think what people often find surprising is that we're both actually introverts, is the wrong word, but we're like kind of both homebodies. In college, like at at Oxford, there's, um, I don't know if the hotel's still there. It's, like, there's a bar at a hotel. It's, like, a restaurant called Quad Bar, but it was a restaurant. And, like, literally what we used to do, and this is when we first started dating, is we used to literally go on these dates where we would each just order food and read together. (laughs) And not really talk to each other, which is kind of weird when you think about it. But that's, like, I think very – and we still do
1: that. So I read that you – the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is look at Instagram. Yeah. What are you looking for? Like, are you looking to see if people, if there are messages for you? Or are you looking to see what people posted? What you um, for? I usually look at DM because I feel
2: like increasingly DM is like a source or is like kind of where you're having like conversations. Um, like my friend, one of my best friends from college, Michelle, will like send me a meme. Followers send me things. Um, and do you reply to those people? to followers um it depends it depends what they're asking i get about 600 dm a day from people i don't follow sometimes i'll like screen grab a question if it's one that like people are all asking the same question like i'll screen grab it and then i'll answer it in stories um but yeah i feel like you know you, you it's like checking the equivalent of like remember like you used to come home and you would check the answering machine and so yeah i do that
1: so I, I know that you were very organized about your emails. Do you still maintain your organization of your emails? And if so, like, explain. Okay, so
2: email. I feel like that's, like, a really stressful topic for me. <laughs> and um, I used to be really, like, crazy fanatical about inbox zero. I have achieved... I think in- that's when I met
1: you first. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, and like, I was like, inbox 25,472. Yeah. And then now
2: I have made peace... For my work email with inbox 350, Hmm, I am currently at inbox 600, but I'm going to get back down to inbox 350 and maybe one day I'll be at inbox 100. Like if you go through your email and really do like um, a sampling or like a, a cross sampling of all the different types of emails you get, they probably all boil down to like the same eight to ten themes as an editor. Like someone's inviting you to an event. Someone is asking you about something and it's just like noted thanks. Like that's all you need to do to get them off your back. <laughs> um, or like in my case, people are emailing me with like the similar kind of like instagram questions. And so I basically one day went through and started creating signatures. So there's one that's like RSVP no, one that's like RSVP yes, like one That is, um, you know, please find my assistant, Nick, in CC. She will help schedule one. Like, And basically, when someone writes me something, I'll literally just, like, pull down the signature menu and use the signature. And then if I need to, like, add something to personalize it, that's, like, hope your kids are well or (laughs) happy birthday or, like, see you soon. Like, then I'll do that. But I don't know because now the fact that I'm, like, at inbox – 600 means that maybe that system's not working anymore mm. and I might have to Did you invent rea- that
1: system or did you learn it from someone else?
2: I f- I think I invented it. Mm. I want to say I invented it. Um
1: your great contribution to, to the world. society. <laughs> yes. I know.
2: Like that's that's the thing. Like I've been doing it since I was at Teen Vogue. So that's a pretty long time. That was like a long time ago.
1: But I'm considering nuking my whole email and starting over. That like, I have literally over 30,000 unread emails. There's no way to get. Through I can it. feel the acid reflux in my throat right now <laughs> I think I'm when just you say like thirty thousand. Everything and start wow, again. From yeah, zero. you could do that, yeah. but I mean, I just I can't possibly get. to. Do you the like remove yourself from I have a folder in my email now that just says today, and oh. every night before I go to bed, there's like at least two hundred emails I haven't read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just start over every day at zero in my today folder. (laughs) Wow. that way I know like I can skim really fast, like urgent or goes into the vast pile of unread milk. The worst
2: is when someone marks something high pry and it's so low pry. (laughs) I I, I have been known to when someone marks something high pry, I'll reply, but I mark it low priority. That's like as (laughs) passive- That's that's, so passive-aggressive. That's as passive-aggressive and like mean as I get when someone's like, it's really high pry to know if you're going to this event like 14 miles outside of the city, (laughs) like at 4 p.m. on a Sunday. Actually, I'm going to use the name like Tracy. Actually, Tracy, that's low pry. And then I mark it low pry and I'm like, I'm so sorry, I can't make it. I use my RSVP no signature and I
1: mark it low pry. See, ladies and gentlemen, she does have an edge. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this week's show. Molly will be back next week. She'll see you next Tuesday. Cut on Tuesdays is produced by Sarah McVie and Kate Parkinson-Morgan. Our senior producer is Kimmy Regler. We're edited by Lynn Levy and me, Stella Bugbee. Mixing by Haley Shaw. Our music is by Haley Shaw, Emma Munger, and Peter Leonard. Our theme song is Play It Right by Sylvan Esso. The Cut on Tuesdays is a production of Gimlet Media and The Cut.
0: Support for this show comes from Nine West, because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24.